Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Hit Stick Fantasy Football Podcast, Episode 1. I am your host, Ryan Long, joined by my best buddies, Chris, not the quarterback, Sims. How's it going? Going good, going good. And to my right, I got Mike Seta. Welcome, everyone. How's it going, guys? How are you doing? I'm doing good today. Can't complain. Doing well. Episode 1. Episode 1, we did it. We're finally bringing you guys the content that we've been promising for a week on Twitter, I know you guys have been eagerly waiting to hear what we have to say, and we've been eagerly waiting to give it out to you. So we are just a couple of guys from Northeast Ohio who love fantasy football and need an excuse to get out of the house once a week and talk about it with our buddies. So uh, Seta, tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, welcome everyone again. And like he said, my name is Mike Seta. I'm a uh, graduate from the Bowling Green State University. Shout out Falcons. I've been playing fantasy football since about 2003 won my first ever league, and I've been hooked ever since. Right, right. Chris? My name is Chris Sims. You can find me at HitStickChris on Twitter. Um, I went to Tri-C, Cuyahoga Community College. It's not quite uh, Bowling Green, but, you know, associate degree of arts. Whoop, whoop. Huh? But, you know, just here to give some fantasy advice, hopefully help some people win their leagues. Wonderful. And, and again, I am Ryan Long. I also go to Tri-C currently. And looking to give out the best fantasy advice that I can. Yeah, so still in school. Still in school, still learning, still trying to do this on the side. Nerd. Looking forward to what we're going to bring you guys. So we're going to start off with the headlines of the week. First thing to note, Mike Zimmer extended in Minnesota. What do you guys think about that? I just think the one interesting thing is, you know, having to re-sign a head coach. It's just a little different than, you know, not locking up their, you know, bell cow back. So... I know they are still in talks, but it's just a little interesting that they went out of their way to re-sign their under-contract head coach, defensive-oriented head coach, before even, you know, getting any offers out to Dalvin. Yeah, well, we know that head coaches aren't on the salary cap, and that has nothing to do with any of that. So, break off. Dalvin Cook will be just fine. He will get extended, and we won't have to worry about this and have this conversation anymore. Chris, anything you can say about that? There's not much I have to say about it. I agree. I don't think it means too much for Dalvin it Cook. It doesn't. It's just, I mean, it's just a thing. I like Zimmer in Minnesota. I think it's a good thing for the team. That's, yeah. He's a good coach. He keeps that team in a good spot. So Yep. Continuity is definitely important, especially in this wacky offseason, for sure. Yeah. And in that division, continuity head coach is pretty much a staple, and I'm excited to see what he's going to do there now. Um, the biggest news I think of the week is that no preseason games. It's official. It is official. It is scary because that pretty much the season was already a big question mark in a way that we didn't know anything going into it. Now we really don't know these young players, these fringe players, these veteran players. How are they going to be going into the season? We are starting off with games that matter. Yeah, I definitely, um, it's, it's funny. It's a very uh, weird season to start a podcast here Yeah, to talk about things. There's going to be a lot of stuff that we're not used to dealing with, but I do think this is a big thing. I think it's really big for rookies. A lot of the rookies that I was really high on in a redraft standpoint, I'm. it's not that I'm not high on them anymore. I'm a little bit concerned, though. I am concerned about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire taking over right away because he's not going to be able to win that role in training camp, and it's the same thing for me with free agents that signed to a new team. Like, Stefan Diggs, he's not going to have that time. You know, you you saw last year what Odell Beckham looked like with Baker Mayfield and how he wasn't able to get that chemistry down. There's going to be a lot of new team players on new teams that aren't going to have the chemistry and they're not going to have a chance to work on that chemistry. Yeah. So it, it's a little concerning. You can only do so much in, like, private workouts and just, like, hanging out at college campuses and throwing balls to your teammates. Yeah, like it's, it's not the same. 
Yeah, and me too. Like for everything I've been reading and, you know, listening on the fantasy Twitter and the, you know, professional podcasts and things like that, it's all around the same kind of thing where you can't really uh, bet on the new guys and the changing teams. And it's mostly all about the continuity between the guys. So where I'm at is I kind of want to wait and see how this affects the newer people's ADP and maybe try to be the outliers of your leagues and maybe jump on those rookies, jump on those guys who you know have the potential, the new copians. You know, people have – I've been seeing him fall to the second round sometimes, and, you know, he's a definitely a top three potential guy, especially with that pass off the offense. So, you know, just it's kind of like a wait and see and see how the ADPs are affected throughout, you know, the upcoming draft period. And just to kind of touch back, and I, I like that a lot. My whole standpoint would be I'm – you guys know I'm more of a trader. I – I'm more. I want to wait and see, like till week three, and see the people that took those rookies and are pissed off because they're not like. And then I, I want to buy those guys for That's, as cheap yeah. as I possibly can get them. That's my redraft thinking on it. We can add that into the strategy section. That is a that is a good point. Buying those guys who aren't getting the valuable playing time early, that could be clutch later in the season. So, uh, last bit of news we have is Sean McVay says he wants to use a four back committee. Um, I don't know how much of that is coach speak and how much of that is smoke or how much of that is true. Uh, Chris, what do you think about that? Well, from what I've heard, I don't know if it's exactly going to be a four back committee. I know he wants to replicate something similar to like what Kyle Shanahan does. And I actually believe it. I do. I mean, I think that they released how I think they learned their lesson from Todd Gurley. I think this is really concerning for a lot of the people that are really all on the Cam Akers train. I mean, Cam Akers has a 5.5 ADP. Granted, it's very, very early. That's definitely going to change. And you got Daryl Henderson, who is being drafted in, like, the 10th round. And then, like, if you look over the last few years, every time something's happened to Todd Gurley, it's been Malcolm Brown. Like, why? I don't know. I guess my question to you guys is, is it worth taking a dart throw on one of these two backs, like Malcolm Brown or John Kelly, at the very end of your draft? Because they're not even being drafted in hopes that maybe they work their way in to a Mostert or Tevin Coleman situation where, like, last year, two running backs were very valuable starting pieces in that San Francisco offense all year long. Yeah, honestly, I I don't know. I, I feel like even before the McVay interview got published and everything, I was still, like, not all in on the Rams running backs. Like you said before, when Todd Gurley went down, it was Malcolm Brown. But everyone seems to be talking about Daryl Henderson and Cam Akers, so... For me, it's just kind of like a dart throw, and even before this, I was kind of trying to stay away from them in general, so that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, it kind of feeds into that big question mark that already was that hole in their offense with the running back position. I, I'm not comfortable playing any of those guys yet. Cam Akers obviously being like the high potential, the higher draft pick, the the one you've got eyeballs on, the first one you're taking in your drafts if you're taking any of them. But Henderson was also a third-round pick a couple of years ago. He's not yeah, anything to scoff at. Early. He was like when Gurley was – banged up last year when he was the one everyone was taking off the waiver wire before Brown took all the carries. It's, it's really a big question mark over there. It is. And like, and what, what really sucks is because the one that I, the talent that I like the most is Cam Akers. Cause Cam Akers, he played behind a terrible offensive line in college and now he's behind a terrible offensive line in the NFL and he's found a way to produce. But at that fifth round ADP, I, I can't invest somebody yeah, no, I wouldn't that touch plays that. on a bad offensive line that might be in a committee and it, there's just really no way to tell who it's going to be. So, I mean, I might be all out on all of them, but if one of them – I wouldn't mind taking a dart throw at the very end of my draft if I could. Yeah, that's uh, – I, I have no idea what to do in that situation in L.A. If I'm taking any L.A. players, I want their receivers. I, 
I don't want anything to do with those running backs yet. Yet. Fair enough. And uh, I think that's it for notes and news this week. So thank you for hanging around. And we're going to go to our first spot with something we're going to do over these next few weeks that we're pretty excited to bring to you. It's called Hit or Miss. We are each going to name a player that we think is going to be a hit this year and a player we think is going to be a miss this year. Pretty self-explanatory. But uh, we want to give it to you with something that kind of hits where you want it to. So uh, who wants to start this? Chris? I'll start. Are we starting with hits or are we starting with misses? Start with hits. Okay. So my hit is the F1, Scary Terry himself, Mr. Terry McLaurin, off of the Washington football team, since they're no longer the Redskins. As you're in a Terry McLaurin Redskins jersey right in front of me. (laughs) Yeah, I already have a vintage jersey. This is literally the first time I've worn it, and it's already vintage. (laughs) But, okay, so I'll jump into the points here, though. I like Terry McLaurin a lot. I mean, this is a rookie that really impressed me his first year, and I want to ask you guys something. How do you guys feel about David Moore? Do you think David Moore... Like, from last year. Like, and I know this is kind of veering off, but it, it goes into my point. So, like, David Moore is a very rising name right now in the NFL. Everybody's really, a, like, everyone likes him a lot. Am I wrong? Yeah, I'm kind of staying away from David at this point. But I definitely see a lot of, uh, you know, articles and things like that pushing him definitely up the ADP boards. Well, and my point is, is he's got Ronnie Rivers now. Terry does. That was David Moore's coach last year. Last season, David Moore had a 24.5% of his team's entire target share, which Terry wasn't that far away from that at 23.1. I think that's going to go up. There's not... Now, just to clarify, when you're talking David Moore, are you talking DJ Moore from the Panthers oh. or David Moore from the <laughs> yeah. Seahawks? I, 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 for a second, I'm like, David Moore from the Seahawks? I'm, I'm staying away from I him. I am running but. circles in my head like, what is this guy saying right now? I yeah. no, Where's I my meant, board? I meant DJ Moore. That, oh, okay, that's my okay. Makes, makes more be- better comparison Episode for sure. one, DJ Moore. Episode right. one. So I'm definitely all in on DJ Moore, though. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. That's a, yeah, yeah, I'm not in on David Moore either. But okay, yeah, so that's getting back to my points here. DJ Moore last year in Carolina, had 24.5% of his entire team's target share. And I think that Terry, Terry wasn't far behind him. He had 23.1 on the Redskins. You put Ronnie Rivers in Washington with basically the same team. I think Dwayne Haskins is a better quarterback than Kyle Allen. I don't know about you guys, but if Dwayne Haskins is not a better quarterback than Kyle Allen, guess what? We literally are going to get Kyle Allen. And DJ Moore was a stud last year. There's no Christian McCaffrey in Washington to take those targets away from Terry McLaurin. So I have no, I, this is a guy that could be receiving 25% of his entire team's target share. And then on top of that, he's electric. He's a touchdown machine. This is a guy that had seven touchdowns last year in his rookie season. He had a 76% success rate against man coverage. He also had a 79.9% success rate against against the press. There's only two people in the history of the NFL that have topped that in their rookie seasons. Their name are Odell Beckham and Tyreek Hill. It's just, I mean, there's a lot to love about him. I think there's no way. And getting him in, like, the fourth or fifth round, that's unbelievable. And honestly, too, like, when you get down to those fourth, fifth round, you know, draft picks, there's not very many clear number one guys with no compo. And, I like, it's very even tough to think of, you know, the second and third receivers on that team. You know, I know the well, Kelvin Harmon down goes down. Harman just 
And, you know, they still have, I think, Steven Sims and Trey Quinn. But, I mean, they really haven't done much in their short careers. But Scary Terry is the clear number one. So you got to love having that number one guy. Yeah, I I like Terry. I like if you can get him in the fifth round. I'm I'm not as high on him as you are, Chris, mostly because I'm definitely afraid of that QB uh, whatever's going on there. Because, you know, being an Ohio State fan, loved Haskins in college. He was not good as a pro. He was not good as rookie season. He is not efficient. If uh, Rivera can go in there and fix him up and turn him into anything productive, then maybe I just, even if you're a wide receiver one and the clear target, the clear top dog, if you have a bad quarterback, you're in for a bad time. Yeah, but with that last year, he still managed to put up about 900 yards and seven touchdowns. And like I said, worst case scenario Haskins gets benched, and he gets Kyle Allen, who sustained DJ Moore completely fine. There that was he did. no issue. That I he mean, did. I'm very high on Terry McLaurin this year. I think this is somebody you get in the fifth round, you pair with two stud running backs and a really good wide receiver or a really good tight end, or maybe you took your quarterback. And this he's got potential to finish as a wide receiver one. So, All right. Sutter, you want to give me your hit? All right, so this is going to be my hit, the guy I die on the hill for, and he is going to be the future wide receiver one of the Atlanta Falcons, Mr. Calvin Ridley. And, you know, for him, I just love the situation he's in. Matt Ryan thrives, you know, throwing the ball from behind. Their defense is atrocious, and there's going to be nothing but opportunities for him. He's a year three receiver, and with three less games last year that he played, he still averaged one more target and only one less reception. From 2018 to 2019, his yards per reception went up, yards per game went up. He's on the rise. And also, too, you know, he was second in the league with touchdowns at seven touchdowns in his third year. And I just want to kind of go in a little time travel real quick back to 2014. Julio Jones, fourth season in 2013, missed, you know, only played five games. So his technical third full season. 104 receptions, 1,800 yards, six touchdowns. Now, of course, is Calvin Ridley Julio Jones? I don't know. Julio Jones is probably one of the most dominant receivers of our generation, but that also was paired with a guy named Roddy White, who had 80 receptions, 921 yards, and seven touchdowns. So Matt Ryan can definitely feed two stud receivers, and I think this year is going to be the year that Calvin takes that over from Julio Jones. Also, you know, like I said before with, you know, Matt Ryan thriving from playing behind, they got the fifth hardest schedule this year according to, you know, opponent's win percentage. So it's definitely going to be a lot of shootouts. I love the opportunity there. Also, he has the same um, offensive coordinator that Julio and Roddy had back in 2014, Mr. Derek Cutter. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think if there's any team that can sustain two top dog wide receivers, Atlanta's definitely up there. You know, they're playing in that dome. They're playing in shootouts. They are. Matt Ryan's a good quarterback. There, there's a reason he's won MVP before. He can put up those points. He can get the guys the ball. I worry that two top, top dogs like that, I don't think it's sustainable. And I think Julio does have at least one more good year of being the top three receiver that he is before Ridley can take that step up into the top 10 territory. But I think he's definitely knocking on that door. And in any kind of dynasty format, I want Kelvin Ridley on my team. Yeah, and I, I that's where I was going to go into as well. I'd like in a dynasty, I think Calvin Ridley is more than worthy of the third round pick that you have to pay right now to get him. I think that's a steal. In far as this year, I love him as like, I, I love him as a wide receiver too. I'd be even more thrilled if I could get him as a wide receiver three. That's obviously not going to happen. Yeah, never. But I, 
I do think Julio Jones is still got at least one or two years left of elite production. I don't see any reason why Calvin Ridley can't finish in the top 24. I agree with all your points. They do. Matt Ryan's definitely known to sustain two wide receivers. The other big thing that concerns me, it's starting to concern me a little bit less with the whole coronavirus thing, but it, it was Hayden Hurst. But as I did say in the beginning of this podcast, that free agents coming onto the new teams, they're not going to have as much time to get, you know, familiar with their quarterbacks and stuff like that. So I'm starting to get, I'm starting to veer a little bit away from that being the reason why Calvin Ridley's not going to take that monster jump. I do think we're going to see a jump from Calvin Ridley. I I like the take. I think so too. Yeah. For me too, just to close it. I mean, you know, just to, you know, wrap everything up. I think that Calvin's going to be able to move into that first round projected talent in next year why his play this year so do you mean like defi- first round and redraft though yes he's really? going to be up there think he's going to be the Deva- next julio with the Devonte adams with the tyreek hills he's going to be right up there with those top five guys you know you can interchange them however you want but, but only he's like definitely going to be there get taken in the first round on average like around there yeah and he's going to be right up there with them yeah bull take bull take and it we are coming take. in hot um, and I'll give you my hit. My hit is a guy who's being drafted way later than any of your guys' are, but he's somebody that's worth talking about, and that's Marvin Jones for the Detroit Lions. Currently going in the ninth round in redraft, and he still has a little bit left in the tank. Uh, go ahead and hit it. Thank you. Thank you. Wow, that was much nicer than I was thinking was going to happen. I love Marvin Jones. Exactly. There's a this. good reason to love him. He is, he's not the most efficient guy. He's very boomer bust, but his booms are booms, man. And for a guy that you can get to be your wide receiver three slash flex guy when you're drafting pretty much depth guys, I think it's much worth the value, much worth the take. He's better than a lot of the guys going around him, and he still has, on the last year on his contract with Matt Stafford throwing in the ball, the seventh easiest schedule according to wide receiver rankings. I think he's got a good year left in him where he will be a top 30, top Maybe a wide receiver, too. He was a wide receiver one off project projections last year if he didn't get hurt. I know we can sit there and say the what-ifs yeah. and all that stuff, but, I but mean, this he is has a guy that you're getting in the ninth round that has a very legit chance to put up double-digit touchdowns, especially in an offense that's historically terrible at running the football, and they have Matthew Stafford. Yeah. And a terrible defense. Yeah. So... And also, too, like, my main thing with the whole injury thing, like, if you're going to stay away from guys who's ever gotten hurt, you're not going to be able to draft. So, like, you got to be able to make those bold decisions for your team. And, you know, as a ninth-round ADP, that's not very bold. I would definitely love to take a chance on one of Matt Stafford's guys that late, especially his number two receiver. And, you know, I think it's a great pick. And the best thing is, I don't think that, like, for a lot of these guys, I think their ADPs are going to change a little bit as we get closer to the real, like, bulk of draft season. I don't think Marvin Jones is I don't think so either. I don't think so either. He's undervalued every year. Because, you know, like, the older a guy gets, they're not prone to moving up and down those boards like that. They're prone to moving down, if anything. But if you're getting Marvin Jones in the ninth round for a guy who is rosterable, who is startable, who is playable... I think you have to do that all day. Getting Marvin Jones is a flex play. I'd love that. Ridiculous. Oh, I would love that. And I'm going to go and follow up here with my miss, our first miss of the day. And that is somebody who's being picked on by a lot of places, a lot of articles, a lot of podcasts, a lot of everything. And there's reason behind it. And that's Devin Singletary. Thank you. Running back for the Buffalo Bills, a guy who has potential, has talent but does not have the opportunity, does not have the volume. A guy who split carries pretty much 50-50 with Frank Gore all last year. Still averaged five yards a carry. You'll love that by any of your running backs. But a guy who got two carries inside the five? A guy who doesn't get the work 
volume, the touchdowns, the the stuff you need points from in fantasy football. He's being drafted as a wide as a running back too. Granted, the last RB two taken, but he falls into that territory where guys like David Montgomery and Mark Ingram are going. And if I'm drafting and I have to pick between those three, I'm taking those other two over him all day. Absolutely. And also, too, like the big thing with, you know, the new era of fantasy is, you know, PPR. The You get the points per the reception, and it's also all about touchdowns. It's about getting those scores. And having that little amount of attempts inside the goal line and never having that many receiving opportunities or targets aside from the one playoff game last year definitely scares me, especially because they drafted literally Frank Gore's replacement in Zach Moss. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is, like, everyone sits there and says, draft capital, draft capital, draft capital. Zach Moss, it was the same draft capital. Literally the yeah. same round, same pick. Like, it's – I'm incredibly concerned with taking a guy as my RB2 that holds zero touchdown upside. He's not getting any carries inside the 20-yard line. He's not getting any carries inside the 10 – you know, he's not getting any 10 zone carries. And on top of it, they can say all they want. They want to get him involved in the passing game. But until I see it, I'm not investing a fourth round pick in this guy. And you can't lean on that. Like, I just, it's, there's too much risk. I really do love Devlin Singletary, the player. I think he's very elusive. I, I think that he earned that 5.5 yards a carry. I mean, he is a good running back, but talent's not king in fantasy football opportunity is and then on top of that even if he were to find himself into a situation where he's getting goal line work the goal line spot for that team is getting vultured by their quarterback too i mean it's just it's not fourth round is i'd much rather take and i don't know what it is right now off the top of my head but i'd much rather take the dart throw on zach moss way later in my round i believe zach moss is going yeah i'll take that all day over spending a fourth round pick somewhere where I can get a very valuable wide receiver or I mean I think Melvin Gordon is somebody that's going in the fourth round right now like yeah any of those later guys going in that spot I would want over Devin Singletary he's the last on my list of like team top running backs and it's I think I'd rather have some backups over him. I think I'd rather have Kareem Hunt over him. I, I would rather definitely have, rather have Kareem Hunt over him. Like there's a lot of other players that I would much rather have over Kareem him. Hunt's going to get past targets yeah. at least. And you don't have a quarterback who checks down. You have a quarterback who either throws deep or takes the ball himself. So I would not want anything I'd rather to do draft with. my quarterback in the yeah. fourth round than I would rather draft Devin Singletary. Yeah, I'm staying far away from Devin Singletary this season. Uh, Seta, give me your miss. All right, so this one may stir up some controversy. I doubt it. Oh, we should have finished um, on this one. We should have finished on this one. But um, So my big miss of this 2020 season is Mr. Lamar Jackson. I don't know how you could even say that with a straight face. So honestly, I'm just going to get started. He's definitely going to have some passing t- touchdown regression. In his rookie year, I know he only played seven games. He had a, a progression of 3.5% uh, per touchdown. He jumped up to 9%. That's completely unsustainable in a full season again. He's never he's not going to hit those 36 touchdowns. And you know, he definitely has a good solid floor with the running upside. I'm not saying he's not going to be a decent fantasy option, but for where he's going in certain drafts, you know, around the third round, 208. I'm staying yeah, in the second round, I'm so against drafting QBs or any other positions besides running backs and sometimes a good receiver if it falls, but in that early of a round cuz it just it just doesn't make any sense to me. You know, it he like I said he has the solid floor with the running with the, you know, the running upside, but 
I, I don't see him getting anywhere near that many touchdowns. He has his all-pro guard retired. It's going to be a little bit of an adjustment for their offensive line. Um, you know, but the teams become very one-dimensional when trailing. They went 14-2 and two last year. I doubt they're going to repeat that kind of thing, and it's going to be way more competitive games. Every defensive coordinator got the tape on Lamar. It's going to be way tougher for him to be able to do what he did on a consistent basis like he did last year. He's great at short throw accuracy, great throwing over the middle. However, he is one of the worst accurate quarterbacks throwing to the numbers. And if I can analyze that, a professional who's getting paid millions of dollars running a defense can definitely analyze that. <clears throat> yeah, but you got to think, his all of his points are coming from running. Running. Yeah, but, I mean, at the same time, that's that's a big thing there as well. I'm in the middle. I would never invest that early of a pay. And this is, th- honestly, this is hard for me to do because last year, I mean, you, Seta, you don't remember this because you weren't in these leagues, but you remember how bad I went hard against Lamar Jackson. I, I'm i eating some crow because of it. I mean, I got to take a milkshake to the face from somebody because I said that Josh Allen was going to have more fantasy points than Lamar Jackson last year. I lost that bet. So it is a little hard to just go against him. The guy's a phenomenal talent, but there's a lot of things to be concerned. And to use that second-round pick on him, I got to see more out of the pass game. I don't think he's going to sustain that 36 touchdowns that he had last year. No, I really no. don't. Even And I, this, I'm somebody that's projecting them to raise that their passing total. But he does concern me. I've not gotten through my entire rankings yet, so I don't know exactly where I have him. I know that I'm for sure not going to probably have any shares of him off of the sole fact that I can't stand the Ravens, and then on top of the fact that I, there's a lot of things I'm concerned about. He's had like 300-plus carries in his two years of being in the league, and the, the first year he only played like the last – He, I mean, I don't know the full, but he, he didn't play the full year. I know Flacco started that I year. He only played like yeah, the last seven. three or four games. And yeah, then the seven games. Game. He's a very high-risk person for injury. He is somebody that worries me with turnovers when teams finally do figure out a way – to contain him in the pocket and force him to throw. Um, There's a lot to be concerned with. So, I mean, I I don't – if you want to shoot your shot on Lamar Jackson, he's absolutely a phenomenal talent, and he definitely can win you a week at any given moment. There's an absolute world where you and I are completely wrong, and he continues to do what he did last year. But I'm personally not going to – I'm not going to bank on it. Well, we're living in that world where you guys are completely wrong because Lamar Jackson is a stud. Says the dynasty owner of Lamar Jackson. Yeah, for a reason. I – Never subscribe to the idea of taking a quarterback in the top few rounds. I've always been the guy who takes later when I see the ones that I want start to go off the board, then I snag my guy. But Lamar Jackson is not just a quarterback. He is an RB1 and a QB1 in one spot. But is he built like a running back? He doesn't have to be built like a running back. What do you mean? If you're going to play running back, you have to, even the people that are built like a running back get hurt. He doesn't get tackled like a running back. He gets out of bounds. He gets, he breaks tackles. The dude is so good at being not tackled. How many running, starting running backs in their first two seasons fumble the ball 21 times? Uh, Probably not many. Yeah, exactly. So I I hate the comparison that, oh, he's a running back. He's a running back. He doesn't run the ball like a running back. He runs the ball like a scrambling QB. He's not going to get benched because of those fumbles. But the thing is, you cannot the, the NFL. There's like you just said. There are people who literally get paid millions of dollars to analyze this game and look into it and watch film and study everything on them. They're gonna figure out a way to it. Ad- everybody, when Mahomes went off, everyone's like, 
No one's ever going to stop it. No one's ever going to Look at Mahomes, what he did. You can add the two games that he missed last year. He's not throwing 50 touchdowns. People adjust. They figure it out. They scheme against it, and they find ways to stop it. And if you're good, you figure out a new way to do it. And I'm not doubting that, but for him to run the ball the way he was running the ball, what happens next year when the Ravens aren't blowing out every team and the game's actually on the line and Lamar can't just run out of bounds because it's third and nine and he needs that extra yard and he has to dive to get that extra yard. And that honestly is a perfect segue to my next point. My final point on why I'm missing on Lamar is if you look at his averages and his completion percentages when he's trailing, it's so tremendously worse. He can. It's so hard for him to come back. And I definitely don't see them going again 14 and 2. Yeah, he turns the ball over. And here's a quick stat via PFF, Pro Football Focus 20 yards down the field outside the numbers. Lamar completes 53% of the balls. League average, 72%. 10 to 20 yards passing outside the numbers. Lamar throws it 36% completion. The league average, 50%. Now, when he's trailing, he's going to have to move the ball down the field. And that is just such an easy thing to put a nice center fielder in the middle of your field and just shut down the Mark Andrews, the Nick Boyles of the world and be able to just kind of move through that. And I just think it's going to be way harder for Lamar this year. Definitely don't see him playing up to that first, second, even third round, you know, ADP where he's going. Yeah, I don't see him putting up the points he put up last year. I don't see him throwing 36 touchdowns at all. I don't see anywhere close. Yeah, but... That's my point right there, though. If you don't see him doing what he did last year, how are you comfortable spending a second? Okay, I understand you did it in Dynasty. It's a little bit different. I still don't agree with it. I think the longevity of him for a Dynasty purpose is really bad. I think he's a huge sell right now. I'd be trying to sell him for literally, I mean, you'll get a haul for him in Dynasty. But in a redraft league, if you don't believe he's going to repeat, to take him in the second round, he almost has to do what he did last year to return that value. Not exactly, because he could still put up, if he puts up 24 passing touchdowns, that's reasonable, right? You think that's reasonable? It, it, I, I would say 24 You, you think another 3,000 yards, 20... No right. way he's throwing 3,000 yards That's again. what he threw last year. That's, it, that's exactly. not a lot. He can do 3,000. 3,000 exactly. is a cakewalk. We yeah. could go out there and do 3,000. No, we can't. not that bad. No, we can't. He threw 3,000 yards and was QB1. He's yeah. definitely going to see some passing regression, meaning he's not getting to that minimal 3,000 passing yards. But I guarantee it. 1,200 yards on the ground. I do think he's going to have 3,000 You don't think he's going to have another at least 900 yards on the ground? I don't know about oh, that. Oh, his, his rushing yards will go up. You think they'll his go pass, up? His passing yards will go tremendously down. Yeah. I don't think he's going to be the 36-touchdown guy he is, but I think his touchdowns will go down. I think his yards will stay towards the same, and I think his rushing will be close to the same. Probably not as high, but... I have him projected for a thousand yards on the ground, and that's easily done because the dude is just so escapable. It's it's unreal watching him play football. Now, just to clarify too, I'm not like if if Lamar Jackson falls to like the fifth, sixth round, I I probably would maybe make a move or at least think about it. Uh, however, I'm not nowhere near as he near my top three rounds, top four rounds. Oh, if Lamar Staying Jackson away. drops to the fifth round, I'm taking him in a heartbeat, and then I'm going to trade him for somebody's second round pick. <laughs> All right, uh, Chris, you want to give me your miss? And you made me go last here. I, there's no way I'm going to be able to follow that up. So Yeah, sorry about that. But my miss, I mean, it's fine because it's a miss. I don't really – so it's uh, Rob Gronkowski, the tight end, Tom Brady's boy for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Bruce Arians and his cool hats, as my grandpa says. <laughs> and it, I got nothing against Gronk. I just – 
He's going in the sixth round right now, and that this is another guy. I don't project that ADP to change too much. I think if you want a share of Rob Gronkowski because of the hype, everyone's like, oh, my God, Gronk and Brady, Gronk and Brady, you're going to have to spend – uh, somewhere in between a fifth, sixth, or seventh round pick on this tight end. And it's just, there's such better value you can get at that position, in my opinion, way later. If you're going to take Gronk, I, I just, the last time he was on the field, which granted it was a year ago, this is football, this isn't basketball, this isn't baseball, where you can take a year off and come back. I mean, this is a real, it's tough to do that. And he wasn't good the last time we saw him. And there's so many weapons there. I don't think he's going to man the slot like everybody says he is. I do think that's um, that's Godwin's position. I mean, Bruce Arians historically doesn't utilize a tight end that well in his offense. And uh, there's Cam Brait there. There's O.J. Howard there. There's Mike Evans there. Tyler Johnson's been referred to as a really up-and-coming rookie. There's so many weapons there. I Scotty understand Miller. the report between him and Brady, but to use a six-round pick when you can get some like a very important piece to your team, like a you know a good wide receiver, or maybe that's where you take your quarterback or something. I just I wouldn't do it, especially when I can get Hunter or not. Well, maybe Hunter Henry, but I mean you can get Hunter Henry probably later. You can get Hayden Hurst later. I would much rather have Hayden Hurst. You could get Mike Kosicki, who a lot of people are hit or miss on, but you know I mean I'd rather have him than Gronk. Yeah, that's a tough one because I also was not very high on Gronk leading up to this. And up until actually I saw on your docs that you had him down, then I started doing some reading. And it's like, well, could Gronk be Gronk again? Can he do that? Is that possible? Like, do I don't you th- think it is. I think it is. I think it could be because Gronk is that big body favorite target that Brady has. Brady has much better weapons around him now than he ever did when Gronk was in New England with him. There's more people to draw the attention away. Gronk was the guy. Gronk and Edelman. Like, there was nothing else you could do there in New England. Yeah, but Edelman's not Godwin. No, Godwin's better. Exactly. Exactly. That's why I think more people, the focus going on to those Godwins and to those Evans leaves that big body, that 6'7", that that target that is Brady's favorite to eat up those touchdowns. As long as he's on the field and healthy, I think Gronk could end up being another top five. I'm so end. happy you play in league. Please take him in the sixth round. Honestly, I think that where I come down is like, I if you've seen some guys do it before, they definitely got the potential. Gronk, his last season before retiring, he had like eight injuries. He can barely move, and he was still being productive for Tom Brady. Continue or continuity. That is the big thing this offseason. And Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski are boys. They are going to be, you know, having the practices all day and OJ Howard has been a huge disappointment since he's entered the league. I've been, you know, buying in on OJ's for since he's entered and never seems to pan out. And honestly, Gronk is probably the most physically gifted tight end that's ever played. Yeah. If you, I would compare him to the Megatrons of receivers, the, you know, the Julio Jones of receivers. That's how physical he is. It's going to be tough to even have, one or two guys try to guard that man while having Mike Evans, Chris Godwin on the field. And it's just going to be tough leaving the middle of the field open for Brady to feed. Yeah. I just think that you guys are banking on something that once was, and you're not looking at what it is. I mean, even his last season in new England, he had 47 receptions and he only had three touchdowns. He's always been known as a big touchdown guy. I love prime Gronk. I'm not doubting. If you're talking about Gronk's career, he's one of the best players to ever play the game. I'm not debating that in one there's not any part of me that's debating that. But those back injuries are serious for somebody that plays on the line, in the trenches. He has to block. He has to do other things. I mean, that tight end position, that's a tough position. And there is so many other options. I 
OJ Howard actually has been amazing. He just hasn't had the opportunity. He either gets hurt or last year he just he didn't get the opportunity because Bruce Arians historically doesn't utilize a tight end. Do I think Gronk's going to have some games where he comes in and screws everything up for a Cameron Raid or an OJ Howard owner? Absolutely. I think he's going to do that. He's going to flash here and there. But for him to put up consistent numbers and for you to use as I mean, in most redraft leagues, you only take one tight end. For that you to rely on that, I just think you're going to be let down spending that six round pick on that. If he was something, if you could get Gronk as a dart throw in the eleventh, I'd have a different opinion on it. See, my last thing is Gronk when he was playing with the Pats, playing with Tom in his elite seasons. You know, two three seasons ago, he was the guy going where Kelsey's going right now, where Kittle's going. He was going in the first round, in the early second, and if he somehow has anything left in the tank to where he can finish in the top five, top three tight ends, you might be a league winner for getting him in the sixth round with having playing up to a first or second round kind of guy. Now, is that going to be guaranteed? Who knows? But that's what fantasy is about, is trying to make sure that you're going to outplay and outthink your competition. And if he has that potential, he's done it before, he can definitely do it again. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, while his sixth round ADP is way too high, I think, for my liking, I'm certainly not on low, not as low on him as I thought I was going to be going into like these projections and whatnot. I think he could be the Gronk again, and I think either him or Mike Evans is going to feast on touchdowns this year. It just depends on which one you think it is. I think it's all all going to be Godwin, but you know that's why I like I said it's for me. I'm also the guy that usually punts the tight end position. Yeah, I'm not somebody that you know uses. I actually used a sixth or seventh round pick last year on. Howard in one of your leagues, and I, I hated it. It ended up burning me so bad. I mean, I, if you want to take the dart throw, I'm happy you guys playing leagues with me. Yeah, if you're not taking Kelsey or Kittle, then you're pretty much just dart throwing anyway. So, all right, and that's our hit or miss section. We will have more players for you next week on that, so stay tuned. And now we are going to move on to some draft tips and strategies. These are some of our thoughtful ideas that we thought some people could listen to, some people can take with a grain of salt, some people could take and use it as their Bible, whatever they want. Get you ready for your drafts. I mean, this is episode one. You're listening to this because you want to get better at fantasy football. You want to dominate your league. It all starts at the draft. You know, they always say you can't win your leagues at the draft, but you can definitely lose your leagues at the draft, and I think that's important. So, uh, Seta, why don't you start us off? Give us some of your favorite tips. So, my first one's a pretty basic one, but it's just to know um, multiple draft strategies. And it's not just for yourself and what you want to do, because you definitely want to have a strategy going into a draft. But you definitely have to be, you know, able to change it. But it's also good to be able to evaluate where everyone else is going to be going. If, you know, there's a couple different strategies that are getting big, the zero RB where you load up on your receivers and take some dart throws late, or, you know, RB, 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 where you load up on RBs. Or, you know, stacking with, you know, getting the same guys from the same teams. But being able to know and understand those different strategies is useful, not just for yourself, but if you see your opponent who's drafted next to you, you know, when RB, 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 and you're still looking for one, you know he ain't, he's probably not going to be taking one. So it's just good to know, you know, try to get in the mindset of your opponents when drafting. All right, I like it, I like it. Yeah, I definitely, and my, you know, I, my big thing is I like that. You should definitely know a lot of multiple strategies. I don't tend to follow strategies. I think taking a specific draft strategy into your own personal draft is kind of a bad thing. But if you, what I like to do is I like to chop a lot of them up and make your own out of that. Like, you know, you take what's available to you. Like, I'm not one to do the zero RB strategy. And I 
most people, the, I guess the zero RB strategy is defined by not taking a running back until like the sixth round. Yeah, like not getting that any of those top guys. Asinine the to me. Official strategy. But like, if you're on the turn pick and you can get two dominant wide receivers and then fill out your running backs in the third and the fourth round, I'm all about that. So I definitely think it definitely benefits you to know all the different kinds of strategies and then make your own kind of take all of them put them together and make your own that works for you yeah i like that uh chris what do you got for me okay so my first tip here is to know your league and this is plain and simple it's very you know i mean you play fantasy football most of the people that do it it's with your friends it's with your family it's with the people that you love and care about or the people you despise whatever it is you should know these people know their tendencies, know what they like to do, know what they don't like to do, know what they value, know what they don't value. You know, everybody will tell you, never draft a quarterback early, never draft a quarterback early. Well, maybe you're in a home league that overvalues the quarterback position, and by waiting until the 10th round means you're stuck with Drew Locke as your starting quarterback in a redraft league. I love Drew Locke as a second quarterback dart throw. I don't want to throw him out there week one. No. I mean, it's just, it's very simple. Get to know the people you're playing with and use that to your advantage. Maybe you have a league mate that you know, historically doesn't value wide receivers at all. It just, I mean, there's a million ways you can bend it. Just get to know the people you're we were working Do with. Do some scouting. Yeah. 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 Also too, it's not just like how they draft or how they play fantasy football. Like if I'm going into a draft with, you know, a bunch of Steelers fans, well, first of all, you know, they're not that intelligent, but secondly, you know, they might be making those reaches on those Steelers players earlier. So it, you know, in a couple of leagues, where, you know, I got a lot of homers from Cleveland, people might pull the trigger early on a guy like Baker Mayfield or something like that. So it's it's good to see the differences on, like, not just how they draft and how they play, but, like, their favorite teams and things like that. Yeah. Uh, random trivia time. Who has the best winning percentage in the Cleveland Brown Stadium? Which quarterback? Big Ben. Big oh, ben. yeah. What, what team does he play for? Whoa! I, I what, what is this hate? I mean, I was just, I'm just saying. I'm just, like, I'm just making. If you point. like the Random Steelers, trivia. it's almost clearly that you're not as intelligent as most other NFL yeah, fans. I would definitely debate against that. I've, I've done been, a study. All right, we'll save that conversation for another day. <laughs> Juju Smith Schuster. Juju Smith Schuster. Um, yeah, I agree. It's uh, it's important to know your league and know your league mates. If you're playing in an online league with a bunch of randoms, you're kind of starting off at a disadvantage. You don't know anything. And you're kind of playing it by ear. If you know the people you're playing with and you know what their plans are and how they play, you can strategize around that. You shouldn't only worry about your team when it comes to fantasy football. You should keep an eye everywhere. Keep an eye on what other teams are doing, who they're picking up, where they're drafting guys, how they play guys, who they start, who they sit. Keep an eye on the players okay. in your league. And this also goes farther than the players. You know, know your team's settings too, or your league's settings too. You want to know like Everyone, you know, a lot of people will tell you against a specific strategy, but it, like if your league caters to that, like if it's a full point PPR, that might change things. Maybe you have six point passing touchdowns that changes the quarterbacks a little bit. Maybe you have a tight end premium that makes tight ends more valuable. It's just these are important things to know, especially before you do your draft. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, my big notes are first, the th- most important thing to me when it comes to going into draft and uh, setting up for a draft is tiering your players. So important. It's crazy how much this has helped me since I started doing it I like to always do my own rankings do my own projections in a way every year I kind of go off of what other people say and then kind of feed into my own ideas a little bit but you start to see if you just get a list of numbers and names that it all starts to run together you're not you're not really seeing anything it's important to go through and see all right 
I think I like these three guys the best. These are the top guys at their position. No one comes close. Separate them from the next guys. Put them into tiers. Put them into where you say, all right, I've got this guy as my RB 36, and he's in the tier seven of RBs, but there's a wide receiver tier five on the board still. But they're coming up on the same list of rankings on the website. I'm going to take that wide receiver tier five because I know I like him much better than I do going into those running back tier seven. Now, let me ask you, Ryan, when you are getting prepped and getting ready for your own drafts, now, when you're tiering your players, do you do it by position or do you do it by, like, round? Like, are you going to have Devontae Adams and, you know, Joe Mixon in the same tier or is it all positional? I do it all positional. I do it to where quarterbacks, running back, you know, each position I tier them off into, like, their own sections and see where I like them and how much I like them compared to the next guy. And that's basically my big strategy going into a draft is – drafting in tiers and I think it's good to do both I mean and you know you're listening to this you want to be good at fantasy football you got to put time into it flat out I mean yeah. it's a very time consuming yeah. and thing. the biggest thing is it helps you stay organized it helps yeah. you stay clean it helps you stay focused it helps you stay everything when you're going into your draft you're not looking at just a big list of names and you're not just running off of what your website your draft websites standard rankings are it's a big key and it's a big help anything else guys No, I definitely agree with the tiering for sure. Yeah, absolutely. All right. And Chris, give me another tip you got. Okay, so another tip that I have that really helps you out with draft day would be, I call this one, portion control your risk. And I want you to think of this like you're on a diet. And I know everybody hates being on diets. They're not fun. But one of the biggest things on a diet is portion control. And like I'm... Fantasy football is about risk. You got to take the guys like what you were saying, Seto, where that can outplay your ADP. And that's that's a huge thing. You want that upside. But what I find in most of my championship teams and most of the other championship teams that I see is there's a there's got to be a well balance. You have to have the players like Tyreek Hill and Amari Cooper that can win you a week on their own. But you also have to have the guys like Zach Ertz before Goddard emerged where it's like or, you know, those consistent pieces on your team that are going to give you that the Robert Woods, the Marvin Jones, the people that are going to give you that solid floor every week to help protect you from the weeks where Amari Cooper and Tyreek Hill don't boom. Yeah, definitely hedge your bets for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of that. I'm, I'm always taking those low, those high floor guys well over taking like the boomer bust type of players. Well, and I don't think you should take them over. I just think you should portion control. Like in the first round, if you took a risk and you took a guy that's a little bit of a boomer bust, or like let's even say like what's Tyreek Hill? I think Tyreek Hill, Tyreek Hill's ADP is in the second round or something like that. It's like the yeah early second round. The second round you took Tyreek Hill. That's a little bit of a boomer bust play. You know that some weeks he's going to win you the week on his own. You know some weeks that he's going to kind of underperform. In the third round, I want to go a little more safer, and that's that's my tip on that. That's a good strategy. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, Seto, what do you got for me? Uh, so my next uh, draft tip is kind of just keeping your eyes open and just don't lock in on a guy that you're falling in love with. Make sure that you're still evaluating the draft board and still being able to see um, the value in it. And you want to make sure that, you know, if there's receivers or running backs dropping, you know, in the early second, third round, and you've mocked, you know, so many times where, you know, you got James Conner in the third, yet in the third round, you know, you're staring at guys like Mike Evans or something like that, people who have that wide receiver one or RB1 potential, just make sure that you're, you know, don't set in stone, you know, the guys you're in love with in your mocks. Absolutely. I think that's that's very important. Yeah, you don't want to fall in love with the guy because whether they get sniped or whether somebody better pops up to you on that pick that you have in that round, it's it's important to be able to be versatile. 
Anything else, guys? I got plenty more. What do you got for me? So I think a big thing here is uh, you want to use ADP to your advantage, which yes. is it's very big to do that. I think that's, you know, I've heard that said on a lot of the other podcasts that we listen to that we like. You know, a lot of people in the industry have been really big on that. You have to know ADP and you have to know how to use ADP. You know, like I love Robert Woods. He's considered a steal in the draft this year. And the reason why he's considered a steal in the draft is because of where you're getting him. If you have Robert Woods statted out as your 11th wide receiver, don't take him as your 11, as the 11th wide receiver off the board. Don't reach and take him in the third round if he's consistently dropping to the fifth. I, you guys both know I'm incredibly high on Hollywood Brown this year. I think that he's going to be – he's got a great shot at being a big-time receiver. But I'm not going to take him in the fourth round when I can get him in the seventh. Definitely know and utilize ADP. Yeah, and that kind of leads into my last point I have here. I brushed on it earlier, but knowing your site rankings can be a very big tool and very big to help when you're doing a draft. It, uh, if you're drafting on Yahoo and if you're drafting on Sleeper, you'll notice that their list of names to come up for the players available, they're based on their own site's rankings. Now, those aren't the same for each site. So a guy might be the number 10 player on Yahoo, but be the number 24 on Sleeper. Well, when I'm going through Sleeper, I have that guy pretty high. I have him right up there with Yahoo. I'm, I like him a lot. His name's not popping up on people's radars until that next round. Can I wait on a guy like that, or do I have to take him now? It kind of plays into that, hmm, is he going to get sniped? Is he not? Is he going to fall to me? Is he not? Is my site trustworthy on where a guy is going to be drafted? Absolutely. And I, I mean, I... I touched base on that too. I think that's incredibly important, especially because it protects the one thing I can't stand the most. It makes me, it, it's like boiling my blood thinking about it is when you have a guy and you're on a computer draft and you're like, this is my guy. And then he gets auto drafted by the one user that like checked out of the draft early. And it's like that they didn't even pick him. Uh, so definitely uh, that is important. Yeah, And that's basically because their sites rank him, put him as the next best player. Yeah. And also too, I think the biggest thing with the site rankings is like no one, when the teams start to go on runs. So you'll see like towards the end of your drafts and the best available top 10 things are team defenses, you know? And if you still know that there's really good running backs that have the potential to bust out, like don't waste picks on defenses even if they are the best available or kickers or things along those lines so it's definitely good to you know know the rankings and make sure you're queuing up towards the end of the draft yeah i will never draft a kicker or a defense over anybody that i had that i think has any slight chance of being valuable at all yeah never never not even happening never 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 so but what you were saying though with like when people go on runs that leads me to one of my other points actually and that's this is while you're having your draft pay attention to your neighbors you want to know who the guy next to you and the guy behind you is taking because it's like, you know, if you need a tight end, but both of these, you're, let's say you have the 10th pick in the draft and the guy, the two guys behind you already have a tight end and you desperately need a tight end. You don't have to take a tight end right there because they're not going to take two. Yeah. You know, pay attention to the people around you and what they're taking and what they need. You know, it's like you pick before these guys and let's say, you're looking at a running back and you're looking at a wide receiver and he's really set on running back, but he's kind of lacking at wide receiver. You know that if you don't take this wide receiver that's on your board, he's probably not getting back to you because this guy's going to take him. So it's just important to kind of pay attention, not only to your draft board, but to the people that are close to you. Yeah, that's very key. Very key to be, keep your eyes open and just watch out for what other people are doing. Base your strategy, not only what you want to do, but what other people are doing around you. 
And then do you guys have any other ones? Yeah, I got one more, and this is more of just like this season-based. And it's just to hold off on the QBs and the tight end positions, and especially in the early rounds. And uh, I think it's mostly about this season specifically because I think that, in my opinion, this quarterback class, like not only the starters, I mean – you guys got you got guys like Jameis Winston backing up Drew Brees. Like this quarterback class is loaded top to bottom. If you wait to the end of the draft, you can definitely snag a couple guys and have to stream them or whatnot. But you can load up on those RBs and the receivers and everyone who's taken the tight ends and quarterbacks early. Flip them, flip them towards the end of the season. They need a running back. They had two running backs that were good. One goes down. They're going to need one. So it's just and especially in this year, there's so many good tight ends that have good possibility. And so many good QBs. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think uh, quarterback is a position where the top guys are the top guys for a reason. And then everything else just kind of falls into a fuzz. They're so close. They're so consistent at being close with each other week in and week out. That quarterback, I don't know how much it really helps you to take one in the fourth round over one in the seventh round, whether they're going to put up the same amount of fantasy points. Yeah, I definitely think this is a year that does kind of favor. There is a lot... I feel like there's a lot more value at tight end this year than there usually is. There's a lot, but I mean, granted, it's all potential, so you don't all know. All potential. But I mean, I don't know. So for me, it kind of just all depends on who's there. Like, we were just talking how we're completely out on Devin Singletary. If I'm in the fourth round and Devin Singletary is the best available running back because maybe this league's crazy about running backs, I don't, I'd probably still go wide receiver, but I'm going to look if Kyler Murray's there. I'm going to look about if, – if George Kittle drops to the fourth round, I mean, that's a value. Oh, yeah, you're not itself. passing that. Up. But, like, I, I definitely – I definitely agree with what you're saying there because I'm usually not the one that will take George Kittle or Travis Kelsey in the second or the third or whenever. Well, you usually can't get them in the third, but no. Yeah, for sure. I just think that, like, for me personally, I'd definitely rather load up on those RBs and load up on those receivers and, you know, wait till the 10th, 11th, 12th, even 13th round and, you know, maybe snag a Matt Ryan or a Drew Locke, a Teddy Bridgewater, you know, some of those guys who, if you look at their team and as a whole, you project them to have a lot of shootouts, a lot of opportunity, a lot of playing from behind, and that's just going to you know help out your fantasy team in the long run. Yeah, yeah give me yep. those garbage-time quarterbacks. Well, and the other good thing is it's there's so many of them. You can also, I mean, a lot of people advise against this, but I think it's kind of you know personal preference. You could take two quarterbacks. Take Matt Ryan and Drew Locke, and just kind of, if you miss out on one of those top-tier quarterbacks, take two of them and kind of play play the matchup games. Yeah, play the matchup game. That's Or... Stream. I mean, you know what I mean? Do you have Drew Locke and he has a great week one matchup, let's say? I mean, I don't know offhand what his actual week one matchup is, but I mean, and the next week he goes against the Steelers, who have one of the top defenses in the league. You drop him and you play somebody <laughs> else. I mean, it's pretty simple there. Pretty Yeah, for dry. sure. And just a little counterpoint to that like, if you do end up pulling the trigger early on a Pat Mahomes or a Russell Wilson or one of those guys, hold off. Don't even, like, you don't even need to think about it until. One of the last few rounds, especially in a redraft league. If I have Pat Mahomes in a redraft league, I'm probably not drafting another quarterback unless no. it's a deep redraft league where there's like 18 roster spots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm For not sure. taking another quarterback in any redraft league. No, I'll I'm, worry about his me bye one, week when it's his yeah, bye week. Give me and one, it. and then I will stream the rest if anything happens to my guy. So uh, any other tips, you guys? I got two more, actually. All right, feed them to me. So this is a big one, in my opinion. Utilize mock drafts properly. A lot of people mock draft. I think it's very important to mock draft, but you also got to utilize it the correct way, which is make sure you're mixing it up. 
Make sure you're switching where you're drafting from. Make sure you're seeing every single as- aspect of it. You know, if you do a mock, you're a perfect mock draft, and you have yourself, you know, I'm very high on Terry McLaurin. Let's say I'm getting Terry McLaurin in the fifth round, and I'm thrilled about it. He is my all-star smash-mouth fifth-round pick. The next time I do a mock draft, I'm going to pretend like Terry McLaurin's taken. Every time I do a mock draft going forward from that point in the fifth round, I'm going to pretend like Terry McLaurin was off the board because I need to prepare myself just in case, you know, I, I see don't fall in love with a guy. Well, this is how you prepare yourself in case you do because, you know, I mean, love's a tricky thing. So yeah. You have no control over it sometimes. Yeah, definitely. But, so, you know, you don't take that guy. You kind of prepare yourself for if you're the person you really liked, got took, and then – you're prepared on draft day because what happens on draft day is when the person you want gets taken, if you're not prepared for it, almost 10 out of 10 times, it results in a pivot pick on a player that you didn't really want. You just kind of panicked because the, what your plan was fell apart and you just took this guy. You don't even like him. You don't even know anything about him and you're pretty much screwed. Yeah, don't ever draft in a panic. Yeah, definitely have a couple of guys you want to take. I mean, like Chris was saying, you know, if you definitely want, you know, Terry McLaurin in the fifth, you know, do a couple mocks where you take an, another guy a lot in the fifth, you know, who you're, who you're confident in. And, you know, it, whether whoever it is, just make sure that you have like two to three, even four guys at each round where you're drafting that you'd be comfortable having on your team. Yeah. yeah and it just opens you up to build your team the way you want because it's like maybe you're taking somebody in the fifth round and you're not really crazy about anybody you're getting in the fourth round, but you're finding that I absolutely need this guy in the fifth round. Well, now you know that you're willing to reach. And, you know, I mean, it might not be advised, but at the same time, this is fantasy football. you got to manage your team. you got to do what you feel is best if you feel the need to reach. I mean, I would never reach on a player more than two rounds, but if you got if you have a gut feeling on somebody, you know, you always go with your gut. Always go with your gut. Agreed, agreed. My very last and I think my most important tip is, and I've heard this said in very many different ways by very many different fantasy analysis, and but, you know, stay water, basically – be adaptable, be, be ready to change. Fantasy football is such, I mean, it's, it's a very versatile thing. You have to be able to pivot off of something right away and take what is handed to you and use it the way it needs to be. I mean, you can't just lock in. This is basically just summing up everything. But, you know, I mean, I'm trying to think of a good example. Like, I mean, like last year, we all thought Dante Pettis was going to be a thing. And then <laughs> right, right. everybody came Ooh. out. Forgot like, even existed. Yeah, word came out that you know he wasn't gonna that he was worried about making the team. You have to be willing to pivot off of that and move forward with the information that's available to you, and just be ready for that. Because if not, you're gonna fall behind, and it, there's just no way around it. Yeah, especially too if you've been like mocking a lot and you have like a couple of late round guys that you really really fall in love with, plan that they're not gonna be there. Because most likely they won't. Like it, you're not the only intelligent person in your league. People are doing research. People are doing their own projections. People are definitely going to see those late round guys, and that's when they a lot of reaches happen. So make sure that you're able to pivot off of that for sure. Yeah, definitely. Agreed. You know. All right, all right, all right. That was good, guys. I think we did some very good tips, and I think uh, something you should take into the draft strategy very sternly because draft is the biggest part of your season. It doesn't make your team, but it makes your team. It's what you do after the well, draft your wins championships. The draft is your foundation. It's important yeah. to stay active, stay informed, and don't overthink and don't underthink. Well, I think the most I, – I don't think there's a better way to word it than what the industry, when the industry says, 
you can't win your league on draft day, but you can lose it. So, I mean, that's where you build your foundation. That's where you get the pieces that set you up to do the stuff in season that you need to do, like run the waiver wire, make trades, and make the right decisions here and there to win your league. Yeah. All right. And on to that, we are going to move on to answering the questions of our wonderful friends on the Internet. Now, we sent out a tweet asking people to – Submit some questions, some statements, whatever they want to know about fantasy football from us. And we got quite a few for this being our first episode. I'm very excited to get out to these people because that's what I want the show to be. I want the show to be something where we interact with you guys, the listeners, where we interact with you guys, the followers, where it's a community. I think that's very key and it's very important in fantasy football is to stay a community with the people that are eager to learn just like you. And yeah, for sure. <clears throat> wants to know something or somebody has a question, uh, where, where can they submit that question to? Oh, good question, Chris. They can submit it to at HitStickFantasy on the Twitter. Also, too, like it, it, we want to make sure that we're here for you guys. I mean, we definitely enjoy all of our research that we do, but we want to be the people doing the hard work. We want to be the people doing all the research for you guys. So you guys don't have to do it. You guys won't have to worry about it. Send us the questions. We'll make sure we get in-depth answers, and we love it when you guys are part of the show. Yeah, make sure that when you win and win your league, when you take our advice, you uh, send it to us and we can take those victory laps with you. Absolutely. I can't wait to see people hopefully winning their <laughs> leagues off of our <laughs> advice. I mean, granted, we got a long way to go there. But long way to go. Let's get a season under the way first. So our first question comes to us from at Chicken Dinner 11 on the Twitter. And it was kind of a good one. It made me think pretty hard right when I read it. And it's if Damian Harris is the starting running back, where would you rank him compared to the rookie running backs of this year? Uh, said I'll let it start. Yeah, honestly, this was a really good question because, you know, like a lot of, you know, NFL fans, they don't even remember the name Damian Harris after last season because he had like five total snaps. However, I did a little bit of deep diving on him. And, you know, I would honestly, I came to the conclusion of putting him up there with, you know, some of the cream of the crop, you know. At Alabama, he averaged 6.9 yards per carry, and he was the workhorse back there. He, you know, played almost like every down. He was getting the ball a lot, and he was very explosive. But also, he's a power back. And, you know, when you think of the guys like James White and other, you know, very successful backs in New England, like, they don't have many except for, you know, the Rex Burkhead who's fighting for a spot. Yeah, Not and since LeGarrette Blunt if they had that big, big bully guy. Yeah, exactly. And he really showed out when he was on that team. A lot of touchdown looks. And, you know, with Cam Newton coming there, he really loves having those power guys like Jonathan Stewart and stuff like that. It's He's, he's really good at, you know, utilizing the power back, especially with, you know, having people have to watch out for Cam with his legs. So, you know, I'd put him up there with maybe guys like, you know, Keyshawn Vaughn, A.J. Dillon, where – you know, he definitely has a lot of potential, but it's definitely all about the opportunity for him. Yeah, I don't – I mean, I can't remember where I heard this. I know that somebody did a stat of, like, when a running back gets that little amount of carries, how often – or that I think it's a player in general gets that little amount of opportunity in their first year, how often they turns into a successful sophomore year, and it's very, very low. Uh, my big thing on the college stats and all that, there is no sport – there's no like there's no sport where there's such a big of a leap from college to the actual pros. It's just it's a completely different monster. So a lot of times, you know, the college stats they're just not as valid of the point. If I knew for a fact that he was the starting running back 
for New England, and I knew he was going to handle the lion's share of the carries, and he was going to get the goal line work. If we're talking this season, I would have him over a lot of the rookies, especially with the situation and have them not being able to get familiar with their teams with the, the weird coronavirus offseason. But in any form of a dynasty draft, I would definitely still be going with those rookies because I do believe that they have the talent and I like their situation a little bit better. And, like, I'm trying to think of where I'd where the line is. I'd, I'd have him over Cam Akers this season. That's right where I draw the line with him. I actually have him, when I looked at this question, I said, okay, if he's the starter, if he's the guy in New England, I think I'd still have Edwards Hilaire over him, I'd still have Jonathan Taylor, and I'd still have J.K. Dobbins going into the season. But after that... I'd I, consider Swift, but I don't that I don't I'd, know. Yeah, that's a, that that's that's why the question was like kind of drawn there. But I think uh, the I thing think is, I'd Swift's got a lot of pass catching appeal, and I I don't know if I trust Carryon Johnson to stay healthy. But it's right in that ballpark for yeah. this year. But if we're switching that into any form of a dynasty format, I'm still I'm Keyshawn Vaughn over him. Yeah, and uh, part two on that question was. Who would you draft in a rookie draft at the 104, the 105, and the 106? So I'm going to start with assuming it is one of the first three in any particular order, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Jonathan Taylor, and DeAndre Swift. So that's where I'm going to go and assume at the first three. Um, you know, where I would go with it is I like the guys who have guaranteed, almost guaranteed opportunity. Um, so at my 104, I would probably go CeeDee Lamb. You know, he's going into a pass-happy offense with a quarterback who is on the rise, playing for his money this year. So he's definitely going to show out. Um, and then I also like J.K. Dobbins in the run-happy you know, offense of Baltimore Ravens. And if for some reason he goes third and DeAndre Swift slides, definitely. DeAndre Swift is the most talented running back in this class. Ooh. Now it's all about situation and opportunity when it comes to fantasy. He's not in the best. So that's where I go with him. And then you know, the last one I would say – is Zach Moss. I think he's going to take over that, um, you know, Frank Gore role. He's going to get a lot of red zone touches. And, you know, he's just, I think he's just has so much potential. Um, and I know I cheated, but honorable mention, the best receiver in the draft, Jerry Judy. You know, if he would have went to almost any other team, he would be right at that 104 spot instead of CD. But that team is just so many receivers that are very good, high draft capital. And, you know, who knows what's going to happen with Drew Locke. Yeah, absolutely. So I would have Dobbins as my number three. I do Personally, too. I would prefer him over Swift. If Dobbins were to drop to 104, that's absolutely who I would go with here. This is obviously in a dynasty format since we're talking rookie draft here. So, but Dobbins or Swift, 104, whichever one is there, that's, I think that's the clear teardrop. Absolutely. Um, The next... I would actually have Jerry Judy over C.D. Lamb. I think that Jerry Judy is just a phenomenal route runner. I, I love it. The, the thing about dying, the thing about rookie wide receivers is they're very hit or miss. You can never really tell until they're in the NFL. And because just to get back into what I said in the last thing, if you want to get breakdown into like a specific part of my take, the wide receiver position specifically is where I was going with that. Where the difference between playing college wide receiver for your typical Ohio State or your Penn State compared to your Cleveland Browns or your Pittsburgh Steelers, that's the biggest jump, in my opinion, is going from that to that. It's just – it's a lot different. You're not – there's – the worst cornerback in the NFL is probably better than the best cornerback right now in college. I mean, that's probably a bold statement, but I'm just saying it's it's a it's a big jump. So 
I yeah, def- have- I definitely agree with that. The only thing I have to say though is a lot of the top receivers in this year's draft specifically came from a lot of those big time schools that are you know producing those top tier defenders. You know, Alabama, Oklahoma. You know, all those big time schools. So I think that. Definitely when they come from a smaller school, like a Liberty, you know, or something along those lines. Eastern Michigan or yeah, something. Yeah, it's, it's going to take some time, but, you know, coming from Alabama. I think Where they're pretty much be, playing the yeah, minor be ready, of NFL. I definitely understand the point for sure. Yeah. I mean, I def- and I like Jerry Judy and I like CeeDee Lamb a lot. I really do. I like a lot of the receivers in this class. And, like, there's, there's times where you know a hit. Like, when Calvin Ridley got drafted to the Falcons, we all knew that was a hit. So... I'd probably go Dobbins or Akers or Swift in that 104, then Jerry Judy, then CeeDee Lamb. And then if you want to get really far, I'd go Justin Jefferson. I want to circle back into my just tip thing. I would definitely not take Zach Moss in the first round. Not that I believe Zach Moss isn't worth being took in the first round. I just know I can get him later. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, to piggyback on what you guys were saying, I pretty much have the same rankings going down rookies. Uh, I got Edward Hilaire, Taylor, and Dobbins as my top three. If I was at 104 and still there, I'm going with Lamb. I agree with you. I think Lamb is the better option out of those two. I think he is. I think he's the better player. I know you said Judy's more talented, but I think Lamb is the better player, and I think he's in the better situation, even though crowded wide receiver room. There's a lot of vacated targets, and he's going to eat up a bunch of those. So I think Lamb's better there. Then I have Judy, and then I have Joe Burrow over Swift. Oh, Joe Burrow. Yeah, that is insane, but there's a reason Joe Burrow is – most stud quarterback to come out of the draft. In You're the high-end quarterback guy. Well, there's a reason to be. I know that they're, in, especially in fantasy football, like I said earlier, their consistency is pretty close to each other. But when there is like a generational, like a, a top-tier guy coming in who can put up those types of points that win you weeks, Joe Burrow could be that guy. I think he's got good weapons around him. I think he's got obviously the opportunity you've taken the 101 and you've got the volume he's going to be chucking the ball they're a bad defense they're a bad team he's going to come in and put up points to start the season yeah but this is where you got to keep in mind we're talking dynasty here yeah i want to just throw a little something at the wall on you and i i've that i don't have this information right in front of me so this isn't this isn't same year i can't remember what year these guys are taking but i'm going to throw you some quarterbacks that were taken in the top three overall picks of the league. And then I'm going to tell you, I'm going to, I want you to tell me you would rather have them over a guy like Calvin Ridley, Jared Goff. No. Jameis Winston. No. Marcus Mariota. No. Baker Mayfield. No. Whoa. That's what I'm saying. Maybe. You'd yeah. rather have Baker Mayfield would, over Calvin Ridley, though, no, in a dynasty. Cal- Cal- Calvin you Ridley's drafted my favorite Calvin play. Ridley in a dynasty league before you took, even looked at, Baker Mayfield. Yeah, but that's different. That's not going into a rookie draft. Like rookie draft, he probably he might have taken Baker over Calvin Ridley. But this year, we're looking at C.D. Lamb and Jerry Judy in the same way we were looking at Calvin Ridley the year he was coming out. Okay, would you take Carson Wentz over Corey Coleman? Absolutely. Exactly. So it's really hindering on. It's all like a crapshoot. You know, rookie draft just as much as your fantasy draft. It's a crapshoot. But I'd rather put my crabs in the race. You yeah. Know, than all right, we're talking about crabs. Let's just yeah, move let's, on. Yeah, let's move on. Uh, our next question comes to us from uh, Alex Veltre. He does not have a Twitter. And he wants to know what are the best schemes to draft players from um, and the worst. That's a hard one because while some teams run scheme-type offenses, they're all pretty much a hybrid of each other at this point. You know, it's a copycat league. People move on to different strategies every year, but they still keep the same base. And if I'm personally going to go – take a guy and I'm looking at schemes. The best for me would be a spread type of college fast paced offense. I want someone who 
the volumes upticked. Like I want Cliff the, Kingsbury. Like a Cliff Kingsbury, exactly. Yeah. I want somebody who's running a bunch of plays, running a bunch of offensive plays, and somebody who, you know, op- volume leads to opportunity, or opportunity leads to volume. I want somebody who's going to get more and more opportunity. Volume leads to opportunity. I There's definitely some, like, for me, it's more coaches. Like, for example, I want the slot receiver for Bruce Arians. I know that if a player is in a Sean McVay offense, I, I'm a little bit more inclined to look at him because I, I like the way Sean McVay runs things. Cliff Kingsbury, I know his mentality is to run a lot of plays. You know, I want the bell cow back from Mike Tomlin. But a lot of the other thing is I look at, like, positions. Like, for example, I want slot receivers. I want receivers that are going to be taking their targets out of the slot. It's been a proven fact in fantasy football that slot targets are worth more than any other targets. I want running backs that have pass-catching volume. I want, And the other thing that I think just to kind of you know cater into this is look into players and look into their strengths and then look in what situations they're in. Like Juju Smith-Schuster, he's historically – we learned last year he's not that good on the outside, but he's an excellent – I still think he's an excellent slot receiver. So it's not really something I look into exclusively, but – that's basically how I would break down and all that. That's it's more the position and where they're playing. For me, it kind of comes to some spe- like I like Ryan said. There's definitely a lot of hybrid style offenses in the NFL today. Um, but my favorite kind of you know scheme specifics are you know the West Coast the spread offense, and that's just to make sure that it you know s- spreads out the offense and gets more opportunity for the receivers. But not only that, I mean if you look at the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, they have one of the most high-powered passing offenses in the league, but since Pat Mahomes has been on that team, their RBs have been very, very solid, meaning that there's way more open field, open lanes. So I like a lot of receptions, for especially in PPR formats, and I just like having a good open field to, you know, create those mismatches. So that's why I'm going more towards, like, the West Coast spread yeah. style. Yeah, okay, I like it a lot. All right, we are going on to our next question. This comes from L Sneakerhead L on the Twitter. Shout out Lorenzo. Shout out Lorenzo. Top sleepers at each position. Um, this is kind of tricky because there are a lot of players who could end up being studs, being drafted way late. Uh, the guys I have, uh, quarterback, I picked Matt Stafford. He's being drafted later than I think he should be. Jordan Howard sneaks in as my running back because he could be an RB one. He. He's he's proven that he can handle the workload. It depends on what he can do with it, and I think he could sneak his way up there. Wide receiver Sterling Shepard, uh, he's not much of a glamour pick, but he's a guy who is reliable, and when he's not getting concussed, he can be out there and putting up some points. Uh, tight end, I picked Blake Jarwin. Obvious reasons, the targets there are vacated. There's like 160 of them that have to go to somebody, and he could be the guy. Uh, Chris, who are your... Uh, I got a little bold on some. I'm not going to lie. So my quarterback sleeper is Gardner Menchu. I think that he has a lot of upside and could potentially, I'm not going to say, I'm not claiming this, but I'm thinking he has the potential to finish as a back end QB one. I wouldn't bank on it. It's not going to be something I project, but it is possible. Wide receiver. I like Michael Pittman or Paris Campbell. Whichever one you want to plant your flag on, I'm fine with either one. I think they both have a lot of opportunity coming their way. I think they both have a lot of talent. And I think that T.Y. Hilton, you know, there's a lot of misperception on his injury history, but he is getting another year older. He has been getting hurt, a little more common here. And when he he gets banged up a lot and he plays through injuries. But either way, Phillip Rivers changes that entire team. They have a really good offensive line. And I think both of these receivers are going to see a lot more volume than people expect them to. 
at running back, I think Melvin Gordon. I know that's a name that shouldn't be listed as a sleeper, but when he's going in like the fourth round and you can get yourself an RB1 in the fourth round, a lot of people are afraid of the Philip Lindsay, Melvin Gordon committee in Denver. You're not paying somebody the way you're paying Melvin Gordon to have him share the ball with Philip Lindsay. Exactly. They clearly yeah. like Melvin Gordon. And then at tight end, I got a little bold. David Njoku and Harrison Bryant. Ooh. I like Stefanski utilizing the 12 set. I think he's going to do it. I don't know if Njoku will be the one there because he has requested the trade. But I also, I just think Harrison Bryant's a very talented player. I think that he's going to work his way into a role on this team. You guys will probably find out at some point through these series that I'm not very high on Austin Hooper. We've talked about this as, you know, just personal bullshit and his friends multiple times. I I don't think highly of him. So I think that both of those guys have a chance to definitely work their way into a role that you wouldn't expect, and you could definitely get some streamer value out of them. All right, I like him. Seto? All right, for me, uh, one of my QB sleepers is Jimmy G. Um, He's been successful in almost every instance when he's been starting. Um, I know last year he had a couple of games where he passed the ball eight times. Um, (laughs) However, that run game that San Fran had last year is – you know, damn near not repeatable. The defense is going to be playing, stacking the box, playing the run, and he's just an efficient passer. So I could definitely see him, you know, taking that leap that, you know, similar to what Russell Wilson did, you know, after feeding Marshawn the ball left and right, left and right. And now Russell's like an elite passer. So I can see him maybe making one of those jumps. I could see him having a good floor as somebody that you can play as a possible. I mean, granted, it's, it would have to take a lot to make me do that, but it's somebody that could be a safe play, and if you yeah. have a lot of upside players that could help balance that out. Yeah, I don't see a high ceiling for him. No, I all, don't see a ceiling, but it could be like a Carson Palmer back in the day. Yeah. When Carson Palmer, you could put him in your lineup, and you could trust him to get that 15 to 22 points. Yeah, and, it's, it's, and know, that's he's exactly. He's not going to lose you yeah. a week. Yeah. For me, too, uh, next going on to my running back, it's a guy I've talked about a couple times here um, in the podcast already, and that's Zach Moss. Uh, for the Buffalo Bills, I just I have no confidence in Devin Singletary. Maybe because he burned me a lot last year, and then I cut him, and then he took off and became a starter and started playing well for other teams. So, um, but I just see that Zach Moss is clearly taking over the Frank Gore role, and he's going to have a lot of touches. I wanted to go Moss here, but I knew you were going to. <laughs> Moving on to uh, next position, wide receiver, Mister Preston Williams of the Miami Dolphins. Um, last year was his rookie year and he was on pace to, you know, surpass a thousand yards. And when he went down with that injury, uh, that's the the same instance that Gasecki and Devante Parker started going off. So I think that I'm more high on Preston Williams than a lot of people, but he's not getting drafted very high. So it's a good dart throw that he may be take over and be even better than Devante Parker. Um, going to tight end. Um, a lot of you guys know his name, Mr. Goddard. Uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles, they play a lot of 12 set. And, of course, Ertz is there still, you know. But Goddard still has standalone value. He gets a lot of receptions, you know, even with Ertz on the field. And if for some reason Ertz does go down, um, er, uh, you know, Goddard can be a league winner for you guys. And without the wide receiver combo in Philly, um, I'm all in on their tight ends. All right, I like it, I like it. Um, next, moving on to Xander Malday216 on the Twitter. Thank you, Willix. We have, what rookies are we buying this year and which ones are we selling? Chris? Well, I think you guys heard from the very beginning of the segment here. I'm buying all of them. 
mid-season when they've underperformed. And, I mean, if you're going to get more specific, I don't think you're going to pry a guy like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire for a price that's worth paying. I just don't because you you do have to factor in, especially when we're talking redraft, you do have to factor in that this guy is going to take a little bit of time to break out. Um, let's see. I mean, I'm not crazy about drafting too many of them, but I definitely wouldn't mind buying – I wouldn't mind taking a shot on Jerry Judy, especially if you – I mean, if you even can get him late in drafts just because I think that he has a guaranteed spot – to have opportunity. He's going to line up as the number two receiver on that team. Uh, I think that Keyshawn Vaughn is worth a dart throw. I don't like his draft. I don't like his ADP, but if you can get him at a respectable spot, if he were to slip, I think he's got a decent amount of talent. I think Swift has a good amount of talent. He's somebody I wouldn't mind taking a dart throw on because I don't, I think they brought him in for a reason. Carry on Johnson has a very high injury history and it's just, I think that I could see him in a situation where he gets an opportunity to be a bell cow back and possibly over the back half of the season compete to win you a championship. Um, I'm not crazy about Acres. That's mainly just because of the ADP. Um, I like CeeDee Lamb's talent. I don't know if I like him that much this year in a redraft league because I do think Michael Gallup is going to be somewhat relevant. I think that Michael Gallup and CeeDee Lamb, if anything, are going to cancel each other out. They're paying Amari Cooper $20 million a season. That's definitely not – he's definitely going to be used. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess that's that's a few right there. Yeah, yeah. All right, Sada, what do you got? Uh, for me, I got a couple guys who I think definitely have the potential to break out, and it's all based on their opportunity and their amount of times they're going to get those touches. And, of course, um, the first one is Clyde Edwards-Alaire, you know, finished – Got drafted in the first round. I mean, he's definitely going to get used. I know some people think he's going to take some time to come along. Um, but he's so talented, though. I think he's definitely going to have a good impact very early in the season. Um, also, too, I got a couple receivers that I really like. Justin Jefferson, almost, you know, the number two guy for sure. Adam Thielen had a couple hamstring injuries. And those are nagging injuries. Sometimes they can, you know, reoccur. Also, uh, Jalen Rager. I mean, can anyone else name, like, any other starting receivers on the Eagles that aren't on the pup list at this point. Like, <laughs> he's going to have touches, and I definitely like his potential, especially that they brought Deshaun back because he literally runs and plays that same position. So he's going to be able to learn from one of the best, you know, gadget guy technically, you know, in the league. Um, and the last guy I like is, you know, mainly opportunity. Debo Samuel went down. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders got traded, and that is uh, Mr. Brandon Ayuk. Remember the name, baby. He's going to be a big play, you know, boomer bust guy, but he's definitely going to be, you know, a guy that's going to have a, a lot of big weeks. And especially in the dynasty purpose, I think he's going to take a huge step, you know, in the future. All right, I like it. I like it. Uh, just to touch on and finish up on these points, I have a guy that obviously you're going to want the top guys. You're not going to want the other ones. One guy I think I would try to buy before the season, before if you didn't get him in the draft, before he might break out if he is drafted on your league, and that is Antonio Gibson running back for the Redskins. He's a guy, he's probably the biggest mystery to come into the league in a while. A guy who only touched the ball 77 times in college, but was crazy efficient when he did. He, uh, going into that role in Washington where you've got Darius guys who, cannot stay on the field you've got a 40 year old adrian peterson you've got who else did they bring in uh barber peyton barber right yeah there's and bryce loves there and too bryce love so there's a lot of question marks in that backfield but i love that dart throw because he and especially i love it even more than i did a week ago because with calvin harvin going down 
He's got a lot. He, he can be utilized. He's in multiple got ways. pass catching ability. Yeah, they he's can got line him up running in the slot ability. The same way Cleveland's talking about doing with Kareem Hunt. Exactly. The dude is a he's a talented player. It's just nobody knows, and that's what I think you should try and buy pretty cheap if you can. I would take. I would definitely be putting him in my like a strong last round of my draft dart throw category. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sold on any of the running backs in Washington. They always just seem to you know screw me over later on throughout the season. Um, so he's honestly one of the guys that I'd be selling here because I just think there's so many other guys that have proven it that you can get late in the rounds that have, you yeah. know, they've shown you that potential. But when you're going in those late rounds or when you're taking guys that late, you're pretty much are just throwing darts anyway. It doesn't help to take one on a guy who really you don't know what he could be. You are aware that the one and only Ronnie Rivers, Ron Rivera, coach of the Washington football team, compared him to Christian McCaffrey, right? Did you hear that? I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. We got a uh, at Grant underscore Visaki on the Twitter asks Saki. us break down the strategy between drafting and running back wide receiver with your first round pick. Are you preferred to go running back or do you prefer to go receiver? How do you go about that, Chris? For me, it's completely on who's there. That's there's no preference. I mean, if you're talking a full preference, I would always rather have a dominant running back, but I'm never gonna force that. If Devontae Adams is there and I don't know, like Nick Ch- or like if I'm Josh looking at, Jacobs or something. Yeah, I was gonna say if it's Devontae Adams versus Josh Jacobs, I'm going Devontae Adams. Yeah. And as much as I love to go running back heavy, but it's always for me, especially in those early rounds, on what's the best available player. For me personally, I love to always go running backs, especially in this year. Um, kind of like we were talking about earlier with the quarterback and tight end class being so stacked. You know, these receivers are just coming out of nowhere. And, you know, your point on Terry McLaurin in the fifth earlier, like I would be so fine with going RB, 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 going three running backs in a row and, you know, snagging two receivers after that. And if my second receiver is Terry McLaurin in the fifth round, like I'm completely fine with that. Now, it all depends on where we're drafting. You know, if you're in the first half of the, you know, first round, you got to go running back, in my opinion. And towards the back end, you know, you might get those top receivers. So it's all where you're drafting at. In my and opinion. I agree with that 100%. I definitely, if I have a top five pick, I'm probably, I'm going running back. I'll go running back over Michael Thomas. Yeah. But uh, I'd probably go Michael Thomas at like the four spot. May, I, maybe. I don't Only him. No, for me, it'd, be, it'd have to be five. I'd go Kamara over Thomas. Huh? Ryan probably go quarterback in the first. Yeah, round. he'd probably he'd take Lamar. Give me Lamar all day. But I, I, I agree with that. I really do. I think that, I mean, I'm, I'm the person that loves to load my front half of the draft with running backs. You and I were in a league last year where five out of my first seven picks are running backs. I, it's, it's always for me, though, on what's available. Yeah, definitely best player available. Definitely, I prefer to go running backs heavy early, too, because I don't want to be stuck trying to go after a guy like a Devin Singletary in the fourth round. And then I also love going running backs early because they're the best trade chips. Oh, yeah. They're the best trade chips. They're the most valuable of your fantasy football pieces. There's a reason that they're always the first off the board. So, all right. uh, Thank you, Grant, for that. Now we move on to at Percocets underscore. Hope he does not mean drugs. Uh, Do you think Cam Newton can be a starter and for fantasy-wise, in a Josh McDaniel offense. I think drugs are bad. For me, I think he definitely has that potential. I mean, if Cam Newton stays healthy, he is definitely has the potential to be top 12. He is an MVP caliber talent, and the only question is, is his shoulder falling off or not? So as soon as we get some you know, clarification on his injury history and if he's really good to go, if he's really 100%, 
you know, I'm kind of staying away until then, but he definitely has that potential for sure. I definitely think he could. I agree. I think that he could. It's not something that I'm necessarily expecting to happen, but I mean, the potential's there. He does have a decent amount of weapons. He does have Gronk, or not Gronk. He does have um, Nikhil Harry. He has Julian Edelman. I mean, I don't know. It's there. It's not, I've never been a big person on Cam Newton, so I'm not going to like actively look for him, but I wouldn't be shocked if he was a somewhat usable fantasy asset this year. Yeah, he definitely piques my interest, but he's nothing I'm banking on, so I'll let him... I'm never going to draft him this year, I don't think, in a redraft league. But, I mean, he's definitely worth the roster spot just in case. Yeah, it you would know? depend on where he was and how yeah. desperate I was for a quarterback. Yeah, he seems more like a streaming guy, at least to start the year, until like a, he comes out and throws four touchdowns and runs for two in week one, and then he's QB1. Yeah, I want to see him do it. That's what yeah. concerns me. It's a wait-and-see approach for sure. All right, uh, moving on, we've got at Ron Living Large on Twitter asks, what are your top five defenses this year? And I don't get why anyone would ask this because who wants to draft a defense? Defense sucks. I don't get why we play with it in fantasy football, but we do. Um, I don't know. New England, Pittsburgh, Chicago. I'm not even looking at a list right now. Those are my top three. Who do you guys San got? Francisco's on that list, and too. San Francisco, and Baltimore. And Baltimore. But, I mean, I don't. I, for me, I don't want any of those defenses. I don't. Because I'm going to have to spend a 10th round draft pick on those. For me, I want to look at who has the best week one matchup. Defense is a position, just like kicker, that I'm always going to look to stream. I'm never going to want to use. I'm never going to want to wait. I mean, if Pittsburgh drops to the last round of the draft, absolutely, I'll draft them. Same with New England, same with San Francisco. But, like, that's more than likely not going to happen. Let the amateurs take those in the 10th round and let them deal with that problem. And then yeah. you're and then you're committed to this defense and like, okay, Pittsburgh's playing the Chiefs. I don't care how good of a defense you are. Do you want to start somebody against Patrick Mahomes and the no. Chiefs? No, you don't. But you have to. Or you're, you're that or if you have roster two defenses. Who wants to do that? I'd rather manage my way through the season off of matchups. And I mean, like, for example, do you like the Arizona Cardinals as a team? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I'm no. sorry, as a defense. Oh, no. No, for they both those They have a great answers. week one. I, I can't, I'm, I'm going to have to pull it up. But they have a great opening schedule. So somebody that I can definitely get. I also I really like the Eagles a lot this year. They open the year against the Redskins. I don't know what I'm going to get out of Haskins. I think I'm going to get a lot of turnovers. Washington football team. Whatever. They also, I mean, they added Slay. There's just, for me, it's all about matchups. When I'm drafting yeah. a defense, I want in my last round, I'm going to take the, whatever defense I feel has a great opening matchup. And that's somebody I can start right off the bat. Yeah, for me, I actually did a little bit of thought, unlike you guys in this. So, um, <laughs> but it's kind of similar. My top five go: New England, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, LA Chargers, and Green Bay. But me personally, I'm with them and just kind of a wait and stream kind of guy. You know, sometimes people only draft one defense, and let's say someone drafts Pittsburgh, wait for their bye week. You know, pick them up right after exactly. their bye week, and you know that's your defense for the rest of the season. So that's where I'm all about with that is wait and stream. I love capitalizing on that. Yeah, definitely. All right, um, and our last question comes to us from David Dottie, a man from San Diego. In a two-quarterback dynasty league startup draft, would you trade the 104 for the 205 and the 306, therefore making it so you have two second-round picks and two third-round picks? But no first-round pick. But no first-round pick. And I, uh, I've been looking at this since we got this question, and it's it's hard because I've never played in a two-quarterback league. One. So I can't personally speak on experience on where they go in a draft, and especially in a two-quarterback dynasty league. That's tricky because when okay. you're playing in a top, in a quarterback, like a two-quarterback league, quarterbacks are going much higher. Some of them are going as the first pick. Some of them are going in the first round, second round. Those premium players are falling down because of that. If you have two picks in the second and third rounds, 
one of those second round picks could be someone who you would take first round in a redraft in a regular league. I know it's just it's so hard because there's a clear teardrop regardless of what you are, but between the first and second round, I struggled with this one. I really did. I couldn't. But I mean, even if you eliminate the two QB part, I don't. I think there's a lot of value that can come out of this. I think having those two second round picks could be very beneficial. And having those two third round picks, you're getting now a lot of extra top tier players, but you are missing out on that first big tier. For me personally, I don't know. I don't know if I'd do it. I don't. Is that it? Would you do it? Uh, my opinion is no. Um, anything after the first four picks, you know, are, you know, maybe. But those first four running backs, there's such a clear drop off after them. And uh, I would easily stay put and go Kamara yeah, there. Especially with the one off. Especially with the, yeah, if yeah. It, it, now if he sent in and it was 105, yeah, I'd probably move it. Be, just because you have that potential of not getting one of those top four guys, um, and I'm all about getting one of those stud running backs for sure. Yeah, I, I agree. I would not do it. And it's, you can't – I'm not going to turn down getting Ezekiel Elliott or Michael Thomas or Pat Mahomes And it, it, since we're talking two QBs. I'm not going to turn that down. Yeah, I don't think you can. That's a – I don't think I would do it either. It's a – it's a tough one for sure. You know, those premium second and third round picks, those are high value picks. Those are guys, those are picks you want. But if you've got the 104, take the best player. I agree with Seta too. If it was the 105 or the 106, I think I do do it at that point. Yeah. And that about wraps it up for us today, folks. So uh, thank you for listening. If you stay tuned through the whole time. And uh, just make sure if you guys have any questions and you want to be part of the show, hit us up on Twitter at HitStickFantasy, on Instagram at HitStickFantasy, as well as you can write us an email if you're not on those social medias, HitStickFantasy at gmail.com. Chris, any last words? Um, stay classy. Stay classy, he says. And with that, we send you guys a good night. Thank you for listening and tune in next week. We'll have much more for you. And we hope to hear from you soon. So take care, everyone. Steelers fans are definitely intelligent. That's dead wrong, so.